Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring Saskatchewan singer-songwriter Wanda Grunhub. Uh, before we start, I do have a question, and you probably get this all the time. How the heck do you pronounce your last oh, name? Oh, right. Oh, that. Oh, that thing. Um, Grunhubbed. Grunhubbed. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah, you okay. just say all. You just say everything. People want to like skip something, but. Well, I was I was trying to skip the V every time. I was like, is it? Yes. Do you say the V? Do you not say the V? But Grunhub. Yeah, Grunhubbed. Uh, wh- where's yeah. that from? So it's an Norwegian name. It actually means Green Valley, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Married name an, or? No, it's my maiden name. And it has an umla through like the first O. Like if you're like a, you know, I think it's the first O. I'd have to look, but yeah. Okay. But we will get into this, Wanda. Uh, I usually okay. start all my interviews with the exact same question and you're no exception. Where did your sense to entertain and play music come from? Mm. Well, I uh, started singing at 10 in the local church that was three kilometers away from our farm. Um, But I don't know that I thought about performing, although when I think about it, yeah, I was only in like grade eight when I was doing the festival thing. So, yeah, I guess it must have been pretty innate. I found out recently that my mother um, loves to sing, although she didn't sing as we were growing up, that she had sung in a trio somewhere in the mid of Saskatchewan. She grew up with Kyle. So yeah, that they won some kind of radio thing. Oh, wow. So yeah, which I, yeah, I should find out more about, shouldn't I? As soon as I'm <laughs> saying it, it's like, <laughs> cause now she actually has been singing for the last four years from her 80, 80th year to being 84. She's been singing in the local choir in Shaunavon, Saskatchewan. So yeah. So are you originally from Shaunavon? Yeah. Yeah. And are you there right now or are you somewhere else? Saskatoon? So right now I'm actually at uh, Coshin, Saskatchewan, outside, uh, like in this moment, at Jackfish Lake, north of North Battleford. But I live in Regina. I know uh, Jackfish. <laughs> oh, there's my dog. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, we, <laughs> so your mother must have had some influence on your music uh, talent when growing up, didn't she? Or did you just sort of get to it by yourself? (laughs) Well, I can't really remember. I do remember walking down the roads outside of our farm, like between the church and our farm, I guess. And and now I can remember that I would actually compose songs when I was 12 and 13. Um, But we did have my godmother was a beautiful soprano singer. And her daughter and I sang a cappella tunes from the time we were 12 until actually until we graduated. from LCBI, we went to a, a church school, a Lutheran church school, um, and we sang together always. So I think my mom encouraged me for sure. Um, she certainly has been proud of me, and um, over the last while that I've taken it on more seriously. Um, but yeah, I spent lots of time singing with my my roommate. I mean, she was my neighbor. She was my godmother's daughter. Um, and when I think about it now, I've only just realized in the last month, a friend of mine who was on a tour team with me, she sent me a picture of the tour team sitting on the top of this, of our tour bus. So when I was about 17 and I'm like, 
oh, I, I guess I was touring at 17. Who knew? Because, yes, it's been a big hiatus for me. <laughs> well, and that's what I find so fascinating about your story is you did take a hiatus because you moved off to Montreal. You started performing there. And then you moved back to Saskatchewan to release your first album. So you had a 13-year period where you were, A, having a family, B, going to nursing school. So how did music sort of come about after 13 year hiatus to say, you know what? I need to do this. This is, this is the time 2014. I'm going to release my first album. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of time in there. Um, so when I came out in 1992, I had left um, a Lutheran minister. I was married to a Lutheran pastor and uh, yeah, it was pretty traumatic as you can perhaps imagine. I lived in Quebec. I was long, very far away from all my normal support, and my community uh, was very shocked at the whole thing that was going on. I was pretty shocked at the whole thing that was going on, too. I was 32 years old. Um, I really didn't know that it was going to be part of my journey to explore my sexuality at all. And then I now I look, and um, the title track for my first EP, for my first album, Awakening, I actually wrote in about 1995 as just a way of trying to cope with what was going on. And I wrote poetry then, I think, that then they become songs. I mean, I really knew nothing about what I was doing. And I would sing little house concerts. I do remember the year I left Montreal, and made probably the summer before in 1997, the year before the ice storm. Um, I had like eight people in my backyard, my ex-husband and his wife, my kids, my partner, and I think another friend might have been there. So I think that was probably my first like house concert. And I remember um, Matthew, my ex-husband, his wife, she was, she, she still is uh, an actress and her giving me sort of advice, right? Like, well, if you want to do this with the songs, Wanda, you could do this, that, and the other thing, right? I mean, I, I knew nothing. I just, I, I'm sure I just sang the Macbella. Um, and so then I started when I moved to Regina after time, you know, I was in some relationships that weren't great. And so I didn't have that space to be creative. And um, then I think in like 2006, maybe I started, I had a couple house concerts at my home. Then when I moved in with the person who's now my wife, I had a couple there and she kept saying to me, you need someone else to look at these songs. Like you need someone else to help you take them to the next level, uh, which I really didn't want to hear. Cause of course, you know, I thought they were perfect just the way they were. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I don't know if you know the name Angie Chisland at all. Heard the name. She, yeah. So she and I went to high school together and she, we reconnected when I moved back to Saskatchewan. She, beautiful pianist, um, she actually taught me piano lessons in the 80s when I lived in Saskatoon, and she was became sort of like my mentor, and uh, unfortunately, she passed away in 2009, but through her, I met uh, Ross and Kapoor because they were dating, and so then eventually, my kind of my, one of my stories I tell quite a lot is, I was right here in this cabin in 2013, and I was had been asked to sing at the 100th anniversary for Shonovan, and my niece, who was a singer, Jessie uh, Johnson now, Jessie Grunhub, she was, I knew nothing about like sound equipment. I didn't have a keyboard. I, I knew nothing. And so I was, I phoned her to say like, what, what do I need? What should I bring? Blah, blah, blah. So then I said to her, well, you know, Jessie, I'm thinking that I just might contact this music producer I know. And she's like, well, auntie, 
All you need to do is send an email. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? Of course. I mean, I, it was just, yes, of course. That's all. So I actually, I think I remember connecting with him on LinkedIn and he did not remember who I was. It was probably a year at, oh no, this is 2013. So actually it was like three or four years after Angie had died. And so, you know, he didn't know who I was, but he said yes. And then kind of, he, you know, he, he figured out who I was. And then I started driving. He was, he's still in Saskatoon. And I started driving to Saskatoon and, you know, he helped, he didn't rewrite the songs, but he certainly did all like now what I would know was pre-production work at the time. I, I knew nothing. Um, it was a gift to work with him as well because I didn't know anyone else who knew Angie and we just, you know, connected on that level. And yeah, he brought his sound and his keyboard playing to that first album. And um, yeah, I will always be grateful to Ross McFork who, yeah. There's a lot to unpack with what you just said. So let's, let's dive into this because this is the best part about this. I, I love hearing that first conversation starter because it introduces so many unique perspectives. The one I want to talk about is your writing style. Where do you get your writing style from? Because you say you used to write poetry. So is it easier for you to write poetry than it is to write lyrics? Or do you find them both similar? Hmm. Well, such a good question. I do find them similar. I like uh, with the writing of lyrics. So if you've listened to any of my songs, you can probably suss out they're pretty personal. Um, some of them aren't actually about me, but most of them have, you know, some kind of true autobiographical history to them. Um, and, you know, I, I was just going past because I have this EP coming out in the fall. And I was just looking yesterday at all the lyrics because I was talking to my designer. And I'm like, where did those lyrics come from? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like I what sometimes when I've written, I don't really know you know, I, I truly believe there's a muse out there and that sometimes we just really have to uh, be open to creativity. Um, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that in, in Big Magic and I think it's true. Um, you know, I've learned more about songwriting as time has gone on, which I'm sure has helped to make the songs better. But certainly, you know, when I think about the songs that were on Awakening, I mean, there was no songwriting background that I had. There was no, I mean... Not, there wasn't anything that way. And, and that's what I find so uh, empowering about Awakenings is it's so, uh, it's so uh, vulnerable. It makes you sound so vulnerable because you tell so many deep stories. And now that I know that they're actually self-autobiography stories, it makes it connect a little bit more. Was it hard to put your soul and your story into a music form to let people listen to? Uh, yes and no. I, I mean, that's kind of been my, I've always thought I knew myself really well and that I could be really open with people. I thought that about myself. I certainly wasn't able to do that in the past. Like when I came out, I was like, what? How did I not know that about myself? Like one of those kind of people, right? Just thought I knew everything. Um, yes, who <laughs> thought I knew everything. Um, so I don't know. I, this is all I can say is I, I, I don't know how to do it any other way. I've never really known how to do it any other way. Um, certainly through my, my nursing career, um, you know, I've tried to kind of get to the deeper sense of things um, and, and been able to be in really uh, the most vulnerable places with people. So I don't know if that's helped me to do that or not. 
Um, but certainly I think there's been enough time in between those stories and what, you know, what I, when I mean, 2014, I'd already been out for 20 years, even though the stories felt really close. Um, probably the most challenging time was when I sang Awakening in 2015 in Shaunavon, Saskatchewan, and my dad was in the audience. Well, of course, my parents know about my life, um, but that when I drove away from Shaunavon, I thought, oh, man, <laughs> I can't do that again. Like, I didn't really realize how difficult it was. But of course, you know, um, Jeffrey Straker, who I know you had on your show, uh, he and I are colleagues and friends, I would say. And he said to me the one time, he's just like, oh, no, it will get easier. And of course, that's true. I mean, now when I sing those songs, it's okay. Um, I'm not quite sure how I sat in the studio and did it. I think because um, I was with someone who I trusted, right? They open up that space for you to allow you to bring that vulnerability forward. Do you consider yourself a writer or an artist? An artist. An artist? What What does that mean yeah. to you? What does being an artist mean to <laughs> Wanda? I was going to ask it either way. If you the, either way, you would have asked answer, answered that question. I would have asked you that question. Oh, oh okay. <clears throat> um, what does it mean to be an artist? So, to be an artist to me is really to be a creative person. Um, I think that everything for me. I mean, I. I kind of can't believe how much music is everything, but artistry is everything, right? I mean, I've learned to draw. I've, I've you know, seen somebody who is an art therapist. She's helped me to sort of delve into that. I think, you know, some of the ways I've learned to cook, that sort of, I just think everything, everything is about creativity. So I guess in that way, I feel like an artist. Um, it is my, I mean, to me, the biggest piece that I want to share with people is how, how can you tap into your own creativity? This is the gift. This is the gift of the world, right? This to me is what I have to offer the most is to try to encourage people to find out about that for themselves because I didn't have any clue, really. Do, do you think you have a clue now? Do you think that after four CDs, your newest one coming out in September, you have a clue of how to be an artist, how to, how to <laughs> entertain people? Oh, entertain people. I, I don't really worry too much about the entertainment part. I, I worry about, um, well, okay, I guess that's not fair. I do to some degree. I, I, I've listened to, you know, Tom Jackson tell you how to perform on stage and bring, you know, so that people are listening to you and hearing your story. Um, so yes, I am an, I think I'm an entertainer so much that I don't know that I am. Do you know what I mean? When you meet me, I'm very charming. I can sort of talk the pants. Not that I won't say that, but I, right. But that's not, that's not the inside part, right? So to me, it really comes so easily to be able to do that. So yeah, the entertaining part, I don't, you know, I've always, there, I won an award in grade eight. I won the speaking award. I can't remember what it's called now. I still have it. So, um, you know, the storytelling part and the singing part, I get a lot out of performing, so I, I guess I guess I do think about the entertaining part. Yes. And who would you say is your harshest critic? Is it yourself? Sure, absolutely. Yes. So when you were putting this new album together, uh, yeah. Whenever I do something, and I, I'm not sure if you can relate to this, whenever I do something, I always second guess myself the moment it is about to air. I say, is it good? Did I do the best job I could have done? Is there something I could have done better? Are you like that as well? 
well, I, there is part of me that doesn't feel that I like, who do I think I am that I'm putting out another album? Like, right. It, that part, that negative, this little self-talk that bubbles around in my head. Um, I'm not too, there is one song on the, the EP that's coming out. I'm not so keen about, um, but I also trust like my producer, my, the end, my producer, Brad Prosco, who did, has done the last two projects with me, you know, I trust him and he's made the song sound so excellent. Um, but I have been way like really lagging on getting everything together. And I think that's part of that. I just don't feel that I have a right somehow to do it even and because it's my most vulnerable project. So I'm really terrified. Of it. So let's talk about this new project. Uh, it was supposed to be released earlier this year, correct? Yes. Yeah. But, yes. But, wow. You, you, you do your research. <laughs> but unfortunately, with COVID-19, everything has uh, upended everything. So I can imagine that artists are the same way. So your new EP will be coming out when? September the 12th. September the 12th. One way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that one way or the other it's coming out. Yeah. So what what, it's coming what, out. Can, what can we expect? What is the do you mind do you mind me asking what the oh, uh, title Yeah, yeah. No, of course. What's the title oh, of the Pieces of new? Her Heart? Pieces of Her Heart, okay. Pieces of Her Heart. Um so this album really is about it's more about um well I I don't know if it would will come through but there's it's more about being a mother who didn't raise her children in the most traditional way my kids didn't live with me after they were like 10 and 11 I moved to Saskatchewan and they stayed in Montreal with their dad and you know, it's only I, I was going to put a memoir out with this EP and then realized that that was just going to be a distractor and that the and that the memoir is really just meant for me it's been sitting on my shelf for 10 years so if it was meant to kind of get out into the world then it would have already been there um so this is the most tender part to talk about. So this you know, when is, I was in region. Go, go ahead. ahead. Um, so when I moved to Regina in 98, it was way easier to tell people that I was a lesbian than it was to tell them that I didn't have my kids living with me. Now, as soon as people got close to me, oh, yes, the expectations of mothers, I mean, of women in general, but of mothers in our society to do it, to be a mother in a certain way. Oh, yeah, there is so much judgment. Yeah, I'm sure I've been judged more about that than I have about being gay. That's that's shocking to hear because you think that in in 2014, whenever you moved back to Saskatchewan, you think it was becoming more acceptable to be gay and sort of being uh, openly out and uh, the norm, the quote, quote unquote 1950s white picket fence house with two Jack Russell Terriers and the husband and father, husband and wife and two kids. It wasn't normal then. So you, you would still say that there was a underlying negativity towards you about that? You mean about being gay or about not having my kids? Both. Both? Um, well, uh, you know what, I can't, when I moved to Saskatchewan in 98, uh, certainly living in Montreal wasn't kind of an issue when I came out. Um, it wasn't as much of an issue as I thought. I certainly thought I did not bring my children for, you know, I can't make it. So I mean, I I didn't. I 
was not going to live with my sons and my female partner in Regina in 1998. I, I, I really wasn't sure that there wouldn't be a lot of pushback for that reason. But I never really, I, I just put it out there so strongly that I never really had any pushback from anyone. But I don't know what people were saying behind me. But I know people talked about the fact that I didn't have my kids. And now pieces of my heart, this says this, does this tell the story of what you were feeling during that time? Um, I think part of it, pieces of her heart specifically talks about um, the situation of making decisions around a custody arrangement as, as soon as my my ex-husband and I were heads up. That's the story behind that. Now, did you let your kids listen to the album before you're going to release it? Just let them know, <laughs> this is what we're, mom's putting out. So if you have any objections, tell them now before everyone knows what you're going through. Um, I, it's really, I, I did talk to my one son. I actually haven't said to my other son, but I... He, he does read my emails that I send out to my fan base. So I think he knows that, <laughs> but it's not, it's not, you wouldn't like, there's no name. Like, I don't think anyone would necessarily know what I'm talking about either. You know what? There's references to children. There's references, but it's very, maybe it's not as straightforward as some of my other writing. I'm not sure. So why now? This is three years after your last album. Why put it out now? Is it just because you got it done? Or is it the perfect time because of the, what we're going through in the world that it's a perfect time to release Pieces of Her Heart? Oh, what a good question. Well, you know, it didn't come out in April more because um, there was just other things going on in my life. So I had made that decision in February before COVID hit. And then the universe obviously unfolded in a certain way. I feel kind of like I got a little like tap on the shoulder. Don't bother. It's not going to happen. Um, Cause all the things I was trying to like line up a tour in Alberta, which with the same people that I'd been working with and nothing worked, like nothing was happening for me. And obviously nothing would have happened for me. Um, back to your question about why now, it feels like, so this, this album, I was just thinking yesterday, Awakening, Shifting Sands, and Pieces of Her Heart. It, it could be a trilogy, almost. Um, you know, the awakening part where it's kind of like the big reveal for myself, anyway. Shifting Sands, talking more about, like, the challenges of relationships in the middle and all of that kind of stuff. And Pieces of My Heart, it's kind of like that last bit. I have other work. I have, like, songs sitting to be released or to be recorded. Um, you know, and a whole other album idea. So there is, there is some of that, right? Like I, this feels like the completion of that releasing of that vulnerable material, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm going to ask the question that I asked Jeffrey as well. And I, I ask it to all the artists because I, I, I heard it once from an artist and I forget who it was, but when they release an album, they release an album with a mindset that every single one of their songs that they release could potentially be a number one single. Do you do that as well? No. Really? No, it's, it's really got not, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. I mean, I'm really putting the music out for me and, you know, I'm just learning the music biz part. And so, yeah, there's one song that there's two, there's two that I think could have that potential. I don't know how to make a song number one song at this point in my, you know, business journey, my music journey. Um, so no, I mean, I think I, I, you know, there's one song when I when I heard it, when I heard Pieces of Her Heart, I'm like, oh, man, this is the best song. Wow. 
right? Like the what Brad did to did with the material and you know the the artists that he brings in to play to play on the albums. It's just like wow, this is amazing. So as an artist, I'm you know I was grateful. I was just like I, I had no idea really that I would love that song so much. That's awesome. Now, and I asked Jeffrey this as well, but I got to ask every every Saskatchewan artist because I I used to report for Lloyd Minster, so every artist I would ever talk to, they would okay. always bring up this one event that they were always destined to try and get on. Have you or do you ever want to go on Telemiracle? Oh, oh no, that's not true. I did I did try out a couple of years ago, and didn't get in. So I, I don't know. I mean. I've never do what I want to get on there. I mean, I used to think about it more. I mean, now I'm not, I'm not sure. Certainly. Um, yeah, I have lots of, I have other thoughts about all of that as far as the responsibility of the province when it comes to healthcare. Like, so for me there, I realized after I'd applied, it's like, I have some conflicted emotions about all of that from, from a nurse as a nurse. Uh, okay. So from no, that, not as a, Yeah. Not as an artist, but as a nurse. Yeah. Now, what about touring? Uh, with COVID nineteen semi slowing down here, hopefully, knock on wood, we will be finding a vaccine very shortly, so we can get back to a semi normal routine of whatever post COVID is going to look like. Do we expect Wanda to go out touring? Does Wanda Wanda want to go out touring? Oh yes, no, no. I love to tour. I love to perform. I, I, um, I, I was too slated to perform at Gateway this summer. So for me, that would have been my biggest stage. Yeah. So I, I'm disappointed. Like that would be in two weeks' time, but that's not happening. Um, but yeah, I love to tour, and I, you know, I have small groups of people that come. I've got some, you know, good friends that have their friends come in and do house concerts and some other venues that I've able to play. And I've slowly been sort of building on that in the last three years. So I, I love to tour and I love to be in the car by myself and off I go. It's me and me and me. And what, what, what do you prefer? Uh, you talked about the house concerts you've done. You've talked about the festivals that you potentially could have done in two weeks, but with COVID <laughs> not. Do you prefer the intimate settings, the one-on-ones with the smaller intimate crowd? So that way you get that reaction that an artist wants is the nodding, the engagement with the audience, or do you prefer the larger venues? Well, I haven't played tons of larger venues. When I have been up on a stage away from people, because I play so many places, it's more intimate. I'm I'm not as comfortable that way, you know, when I'm not seeing the whites of people's eyes and knowing what they're thinking. So, and I think that my music really, it's best heard that way, right? I mean, it's meant for a smaller I mean, when I'm performing, I, I mean, I know there's ways to set up intimacy. You know, I, I watched La Love It and um, who was with him in Regina. And like him and another performer on the stage and he could, he just held the space for everyone. And I was just like, okay, there is in the Conexus Art Center, which is probably not his name anymore in Regina. But I was just like, I want to learn how to do that, right? To hold the space for everyone that's there and be able to perform out of that. Yeah. Looking back on your career so far, uh, your three albums that you're, you two albums you've released, one album that's coming up here, your trilogy, yeah. as you call it. Um, are you content with the way that everything's turned out with those albums? 
uh, and my content with everything, the way they've turned out. Oh yeah, I am content. I mean, I, I am simply grateful that, that I've been able to do this in my life, right? I'm 60 years old. I nursed for 40 years and I'm still, you know, I, as I jokingly told my parents not long ago, I plan to keep performing like Leonard Cohen did right till I'm 80. That's my, that's my, um, hope. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that I'm able to, to do music, to learn more about it, to engage with my fans. Like I, I don't know, I couldn't be more grateful to have had this opportunity. And how are you engaging with your fans right now? Is it through the Facebook? Is it through online concerts? Uh, yes, I have an online concert every week on Facebook, which I've been doing for three years. So um, now I've lengthened it and, you know, tried some different things to to engage. It's been really quite funny because it's sort of like, you know, the leader post had a little blurb and then that SAS music does their thing. And then I'm like, oh, I want more people to hear me, but I'm not sure I want more people to hear me. So, you know, I'm, I'm in that sort of <laughs> in that sort of space um so i i'm doing that but i i'm learning more from a business coach about how to kind of relate to people on my email list and to really engage in a more authentic way with my fans and i'm loving it loving it that is really what do your fans tell you well because you always want that feedback from fans of if you're doing something right if you're doing something wrong how do i get better and if they're telling the stories of that song connected with me it means more to an artist sometimes what are fans telling you um well i i mean i i get lots of feedback around uh, well i just had someone tell me that they could feel the love that i was sending out through the um you know the interweb right on a facebook live that they could feel that um certainly that people feel that you know they can feel they can feel connection in their heart um people are like appreciating the stories that i tell for sure right there's that connection with people and in may and june i was trying to do songs around hope because i think that you know the earth has been um well, we're never all in survival mode at the same time. So from a nursing point of view, there's nothing sort of new about any of it because everyone's going through these things, but we're just not always going through them at the same time. And so, you know, I was trying to really connect with people in that way to sing to them about things. There is hope. There's always hope. We may always be having to move around in our world in a different way than what we're anticipating. There's always things to be hopeful about. So yeah and lately with like my email list just telling more of my stories i'm getting like lots of in-depth kind of feedback which of course that too right is always it's just touching the people listening that they read what i have to say that to me is what's always amazing or if i put out a blog post and like people respond and i'm like oh they're reading that right so i i really feel that it's a calling it, it is like my soul's work to connect with people and to try to help them connect with themselves in this interview so far, you've you've made a few comments that sort of perked my ears. You keep on saying things like, uh, I, I, I don't expect people to listen. I, I, I find it weird when people reply to blogs. I, I don't want more people to listen to my uh, music, my Facebook Live stories. It seems like you're like an unconventional artist here. Most artists would be like, yes, let's get more listeners. Why do it if you're so held back? Well, I'm trying to learn some of those things about myself. 
Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, of course I, I want more listeners. I mean, I do want more listeners, but I can feel my own reticence. So it's made me curious, right? What is that about myself? What, you know, what do I need to sort of break through um, in order to be more open to receiving more people to listen to me? I really think there's a mindset thing that, um, as for example, I was just, it was one of my goals to like have three podcast interviews before my EP release. And as soon as I put that out there, you contacted me and I'm like, oh, there is a thing about that. Being more open to the universe. It actually is a thing. Well, there right? you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I find that in, in this uncertain age, uh, more people are connecting this way, right? It's not that traditional one-on-one interviews, which I prefer the actual in-person interviews, because with this, some people don't like using their video, which we don't use video, but we only use the audio part, but I I get to see your reaction, right? So I know if the interview is going well or not. So (laughs) I'm glad I can help you with one of the three podcast (laughs) interviews. Well, I, um, thank you. Yes. And I appreciated the the email a lot. Um, I like, I'm working with a group online and it has been interesting because I know none of these people in real life. Um, but my wife is certainly learning that these are real people to me. Right. And a lot of them are Americans because the, the coach is from the States. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm amazed at how connected you can feel to people through the screen because it's zoom calls that we're on and then you know connecting afterwards on facebook or whatever um but yes that's the coach that that i've been working with you know she is trying to help all of us sort of break through um break through whatever might be our blocks right and so uh, because i think the music business part of things is one of the most challenging pieces and so you know the reason that i'm on facebook doing a live every week and was so comfortable with it is because you know, I had another coach who in 2016 or 17 or whenever I started said it was a good way to build a fan base and to connect with your fans. So, yeah, that's probably not answering your question at all. But It I actually did. It actually, answer, it actually answered my question the way I wanted it to. Because like <laughs> you, you, you seem like the unconventional artist, uh, Wanda. Like, I am very happy that I got to sit down with you because you you, you – even in our interview so far, you have just been honest and it's unlikely for artists to sometimes be so honest and be so forthright. So I, I'm glad that we got to sit down and chat and I hope my listeners do tune into your album because this is releasing in October. So two weeks after your album. Oh, okay, cool. Ah, cool. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. So I think it's the first or second week of October. So I, I, like, honestly, I want to thank you very much for doing this. Uh, you have a new fan in me. I follow you on Aww. Spotify. I've downloaded to your first album. So it has been played a few times in this household to my husband's cool. chagrin because I try to <laughs> sing along and I'm not the artist that I'm good at being. So uh, my husband has the tendency to tell me on numerous occasions, the SPA just called. They're looking for the hurt cats downstairs because it sounds like cats being tortured downstairs. So yeah (laughs) well i will i will let you know that um the the spot that the single that i released she broke the code i uploaded the wrong uh audio so if you've listened to it there it's the wrong audio so you need to like go to uh band camp to get the right audio i haven't been able to get it switched yet so yeah that was one of those 
those those things that happened and then I was like freaking out two days before and it was like well actually I don't have enough of a following to worry too much about it and I just sent it out my SoundCloud link and Bandcamp and that's where that's where the beautiful sounds are <laughs> well I I listened to it and it sounded perfect to me so thank oh, you very much oh well that's nice to hear but yeah that was actually the um, soundtrack that went to uh, Brad in the fall before we actually did any recording. So that that's the first song? She Broke the Code was, no, that was it, my first single that I released. The first single off? Yeah, off of Pieces of Her Heart, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, it's sung with someone, correct? Or am I completely mistaken on that one? No, I might have been, no, might have no. been listening to someone, something else, but it just overlapped. I apologize for that. No, um, no, that's fine. But Wanda, I want to thank you very much once again. Uh, I will tag you in Instagram, in Facebook, on Twitter. Um, if fans want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? So how can they reach out to you? What, what's your Facebook accounts? So Facebook, I'm WGG13 on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter, it wasn't left. So I think you have to have Wanda underscore WGG13, but WGG13 on Facebook is like my music account. Awesome. And I will link those to the show notes so that way fans can reach out to you that way. Wanda, once again, I want to thank you very much for this. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much. It's been, it's been so fun. So fun. Thanks so much. Thank you once again for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you love this episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Be sure to tune in next Saturday for our next episode of the cross-border interview podcast once again thank you and see you next week Bye-bye.